The National Theatre is staging Time of Athens this summer as part of the World Shakespeare Festival. When I first heard about it, I, I thought it was an odd choice. It's not done that often. Uh, Nick, Nick did a great impression of his fake phone call that he had with Shakespeare when he was deciding to do it. That Shakespeare would go, oh, Time of Athens, really? You want to do that? All right, if you can make something of it, great. Every 20, 25 years or so, people stumble across it again because obviously what it's about is the monetization of human relationships. The obvious temptation is to make the play about now, and that is a temptation that we have simply failed to resist. So... <laughs> I got this phone call saying, have you ever read Time of Athens? And um, I have, <laughs> but a long time ago. And, and uh, we started talking about what an extraordinary story it is for now. It's about a society tipping into chaos because of finance, because of money, because of credit. It's about the world of power and money. Um, it is rather the point that Timon has no family. It's the only protagonist, the only great protagonist in all of Shakespeare's plays who has no family or no romantic attachment. He's very often portrayed as a man who's a party-goer and a sort of extravagant uh, self-indulger who then loses all his money, as we know, and becomes, in our version, a down-and-out. I don't see any evidence of him particularly being self-indulgent. He has an odd type of innocent puritanism about his own life. He'll sponsor the arts and he will give large gifts to friends and he'll help friends who are in trouble out. So in other words, I think he sees himself as a morally rather uh, guarded man. I think we've really been able to point up the things which we think make this a very pertinent and prescient play for us to be doing now. There are things in the play which, sort of currents and undercurrents in the play, which we've maybe turned up a little bit in the mix so that you really get a sense of the world that he's talking about and its relationship to the world that we see outside our windows in London every day. What Nick and Ben have done is take the brilliance of Shakespeare's writing and structured it to make a fantastic script and a contemporary setting for that script as well, which I think, I really think people will love. The text is almost more than any other Shakespeare play really corrupt. The play that we have, the play that was published in the first folio of Shakespeare's complete works, cannot be, is not a complete play. The presumption is that it wasn't performed when Shakespeare was alive, it wasn't ready. It was an early draft between Shakespeare and Thomas Middleton. And it's just a mishmash of lots of ideas. Lots of scenes don't go really anywhere. Uh, characters kind of just disappear. So what that means for us is that the things in the play which are really extraordinary, the things which feel really great and that we really want to share with an audience, need to be excavated and brought out by cutting, shaping, little bits of, of rewriting here and there to try and uh, push away some of the dust of the corruption of that text. Cut, cutting, I basically cut where it doesn't feel comprehensible, um, where it doesn't feel that it will be immediately impactful on a contemporary audience. Get rid. Nick decided, and I think absolutely rightly, that this should be set in London, partly because that's what Middleton and Shakespeare wrote about. I think that the ambience that we're going for is really very high-end, um, 
London. We're talking about the, you know, the top strata of society. The address that we're sort of thinking that Timon lives at is Eaton Square. And the second half is in the wilderness. It came to our minds, both Nick and I, that what about if we had this environment that was, a, that was a building site. I think of those steels coming out of the concrete columns. So that was um, an immediate starting point. And then I suddenly thought this could become quite sculptural and quite interesting. It could also become a forest. It could also become echoes of Greek ruins. And so it became more and more abstract. It became more of a metaphor. One of the very first things I said to Nick is that I, I said I, there's no reason to do time unless there is some sort of emotional impact. And I suppose the emotional impact is largely invested in the character of time. And there is, I'm sure, a way of making his predicament moving. It's a savage explosion of misanthropy, rage, disillusion, cynicism, in the face of the realization that the world is entirely in the grip of financial transaction. 